Having commentated on Iron Man for a decade now, I've been able to see some amazing performances over the years. But in almost all cases, these performances came from those we expected. This certainly was not the case with Emma Plant as she stormed to the front of the 70.3 World Champs in 2017. This is Beyond, a podcast about people doing extraordinary things. We knew Emma was a contender for a good placing, but she got on camera and you immediately knew she meant business. On the run, you could tell she just exuded confidence and was in no way intimidated by the stage she had just leapt onto. She was running into second place in the world champs with two of the best runners in the sport, and she was just she was just floating. Clearly a runner amongst triathletes, she ran to a second place, and in my mind, this was one of the most definite, I am here, and I am here to stay moments in elite triathlon. That's the voice of Matt Lieto, pro triathlete, coach, and Ironman commentator. Talking about Ironman 70.3 world champion silver medalist, Emma Pallant. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Eric Yulsonen, bringing you another episode of Beyond. Beyond is about triathletes, but it isn't about race results, rankings, or just the pros. It's about the humans who are drawn into this great sport, their backstories and life-changing events that drew them into triathlon, and in turn, what triathlon did for them and to them. This episode is about the young English athlete, Emma Pellant. Emma's track career swung between success and injury before she took a sharp turn into triathlon, meddling at her first world championship. Despite her elite status, Emma competes with the same passion as her eight-year-old self who just wanted to run fast. So I've been active uh, ever since I can remember, well even since my mum can remember. I think um, she was a big catalyst in me being so active in sport because I was a very hyperactive young kid and she used to take me to all kind of sports clubs to uh, try and tire me out so I slept better and behaved better at school. I think my earliest memory was probably, um, I was really into football. My uncle used to take me to White Hart Lane to see Tottenham Hotspur. So I loved playing football. And ever since I was little, I used to kick around with the boys until when you were eight, you had to be in a girls team. So yeah, I maybe turned a little bit more to running and that's where I ended up spending most of my time. Um, It was the one that I enjoyed the most. And my coach one day sat down with me and he was like, if you want to be good at one thing, ironically now, because I do triathlon, but um, he said, just focus on one sport and running was was the one that I picked because I wanted to be, yeah, the best that I could be and put all my effort into one thing. So I was really lucky to have my mum's support in everything I do. We're still really close now. Um, and if she can't be at a race, she'll be watching online. And she was just a massive part of uh, just taxiing me. My brother and sister were more into music and, and arts. So my brother is now a professional uh, dancer. Um, but again, all thanks to my mum for just being so encouraging when we were younger. Maybe we got a few funny looks when I was out playing football and my brother was inside dancing, but um, she just encouraged us to do whatever we loved doing and, and as long as we were happy, she was happy. 
I think I was about probably eight years old when I first went to my running club. It came from my older sister. She was, we, I was at the same school as her. And there was this inter-school big cross-country race. And our school was really proud of always having the, the most number of people entered in this race. Um, so my sister, uh, she put up, up her hand for it. And I thought a great chance to race my older sister because I was always super competitive. And yeah, I ended up beating her, which was probably the end of her running career and the start of my real passion for running. And at the end of that race was my um, coach, my running coach. Didn't know the guy. He was. Uh, he just said, why don't you come along to the running club? And I thought, this sounds really good. And I started going along, but it was only two times a week. And yeah, I wanted to run even more. So there was a little loop just uh, down the back of where we lived on the North Downs Way and um, it ran along by the river and uh, my mum used to walk the dog up and down there and it was probably about eight minutes of hard running to this bridge and uh, back to where we lived. I just, this was my favourite time. It just turned into my run so two times a week when I wasn't at the club I used to take myself down there and just race myself every time on this loop and it was just something that got more and more competitive to me and just that feeling of going from I wouldn't warm up for it I just start out and I'd go hard from the start and just to feel straight away that just bursting of your lungs and you always hit that point where it was really painful really quickly and it never got worse but as soon as you hit that point and you just kept running through it you just felt so alive and on the good days you'd feel like you're floating um, and I remember I'd always just mirror my stopwatch and I'd look at what time I hit the bridge if I knew if it was about eight minutes out and I knew if, if I was out around that time then I was on for a good time anything under 17 minutes I was really happy with and it just became that piece of me that kept me feeling so alive and uh, yeah, probably my favorite time of the week. Yeah, so the first thing that I would do when I got back from that run would be go to my notepad and pen, just a little um, yeah, literally a notepad at home that um, I used to think of as my running diary and I just simply used to put the date and my time and it was just that segment of just me, that path, my stopwatch and my notepad, everything so simple and everything so private. I didn't have to tell anyone about it. I think my mum could probably tell from my mood when I came back if, yeah, I was ecstatic, I'd probably beaten 17 minutes. And one of those things, because I did it so regularly, there was rarely a time that I PB'd, but just to be around that, that, same, that same time, that just felt like an achievement. And it was less about the objective time that was written down. It was more about how I'd pushed and how I'd felt pushing to get that time each day it just yeah I wanted to take myself out of the worldly out of out of the here and now and just where you're so in the zone that 
everything, your your heart rate is pounding in your head and just everything is pushing and just feeling like you're getting stronger every step that, that you push on. I think the thing that I love the most and probably what first attracted me most to running as a sport was just the, the sense of your body was made to do it and the feeling when you're out there and you're in your flow and you're pushing everything the way that it was meant. It was just that simple freedom feeling of, yeah, when it's going well, you're, you are, you feel like you're, you're floating, like your body's doing what it was made to do. There was no sort of precedented uh, plan or it just evolved from being a kid when I was two years old and as soon as I could walk, basically, we always had dogs and uh, my mum would take us on this walk uh, down the bottom of the garden to the bridge and back. And it just seemed like a natural thing. Why don't I run there? And then why don't I run there as fast as I can? And then every time just going back to run there, the same thing. And, but it never felt boring. It never felt routine. Every time I was running to the bridge and back, I'd feel I push myself to a new place or I have a different feeling and I have no idea how far it was. Um, I have no idea, yeah, where the 17 minutes came from. It just was how far my mum had planned this walk since we were little. And yeah, I'd like to think that I did it as many times as our dogs ended up doing it. Competing for my country. From the carefree eight-year-old who would make up her own sort of uh, supplement training, I quickly became a little bit more routine. Uh, my coach was heavily involved. Uh, we had a really strong running club and grew up through the ranks. Um, first of all, competing from my county. And then when we were old enough, I did the competed for South of England internationally, and then um, for the country at the World School Games. And since that year, uh, I competed each year internationally. I was lucky enough to get on government funding um, and had my own personal sponsorship. So it was very serious for me. I put a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I like to think of myself as some might say, a little bit um, obsessive. Um, I'd like to think of it as maybe a bit of a perfectionist, but running was, was all I wanted to do to the best of my ability. I then went to physio school for, at university. I was kind of, I wanted to follow my mum's footsteps and be a doctor but I fainted at the sight of blood. So uh, I thought it's a little bit more sporty, um, but the same kind of medical background and I was so interested in the body and physiotherapy just seemed to make sense. A highlight during that time for me was the World Junior Games track and field where I was lucky enough to be mentored by Dame Kelly Holmes, two times gold Olympic medalist. 
and she helped me through this time because she was very close to her training partner Maria Matola when they were competing in the Olympic final and it was pretty much a trial race for the Beijing Olympics between me and my now best friend uh, Steph Twell and yeah we'd grown up together training hard together and uh, we had to medal to make the Olympics. Steph won the race and I came third, which at the time, obviously it's a little bit disappointing, but um, I just felt so motivated in that time to help support her in her quest at Beijing and just looking ahead to the 2012 Olympics and uh, yeah, just resetting my goals for that. Pain, both kinds. I got quite a serious knee injury at the end of 2012. Things had been going really well and I pushed a bit hard. Um, as a physio, I'm very good at telling people what they should and shouldn't do, but I think I'm superhuman and the worst person to treat myself. And I just kept pushing for a year. Uh, just, just one last goal, I can get through this knee pain and took myself to quite a serious place. Uh, ended up needing knee surgery and the recovery back from there was really hard quite a few dark times a lot of hours around studying for physio i just spend early morning and late evening just hours in the gym cross training and trying to keep myself fit for when i could run properly again and sometimes in that sort of place where you're not doing what you love and you feel like you're just in a dead spot of keeping fit for doing to be able to return to what you love doing. Um, it was a hard time. I had amazing support around me and people willing to help, but perhaps I didn't embrace that um, like I should have. I more wanted to shut people out. I didn't. I felt like I was there to for people to celebrate with me and to lift people up. And as I was in place where I couldn't perform I didn't want to drag them down with me so I just shut myself kind of off from everything stopped going down to the running club just kept myself fit in the gym and it was probably a lonely couple of years and I feel like in that time I lost I never lost the passion of or the want for running but it became more of a need like a desperate I was just so desperate to run pain-free and yet everything I was doing was leading up to that point, but never quite getting there. I think, especially with running, one of the magic things and the magic balance and maybe the challenge out there is to get the good pain. So the knee pain that I was in and experiencing and, and stopping me from running, that's, that's a bad pain. The body pains that leads to injury, the body pain that you have to listen to in the end otherwise it will stop you it's very different from that inner push pain so i think being in that magic place where everything is flowing and working as one and moving that's that's the magic phase of running and obviously a lot goes on behind that to make that happen in, in terms of strength and conditioning and form and getting to that place where you can just switch off and push your body where it's your lungs and your heart bursting 
rather than your body aching in a bad way. I think it's just the association with knowing that that pain is a challenge, that that inner pain is something that it's not like your body pain. It's, it's not gonna slow you down or make you worse. It's strengthening you, it's strengthening your character. It's you winning a battle. Um, if your body's aching, you're, you're losing a battle, you're doing something wrong. If your heart and lungs are bursting and you're still managing to hold it, you're winning a battle, you're achieving something and you're just gonna get stronger. And there's always a point, it's, it's almost like the earlier you can get to that point, there, there is a maximum pain that your body can feel. On that inner push, there is a point, which again with this, to the bridge and back, I, I'd feel it so early on that then it was just about holding it. And I think once you get there, it's easier to hold it than it is to get there because at first it's a shock to the system and it's that inner pain that, yeah, I can't describe it. It's just, it is just so raw um, and you know that it's, it's, it's a good battle to have. Running again. When I was running again, I was then injured again. And it was very stop-start with uh, very little sort of to keep me going in that time until the European cross-country championships as an under 23. I'd managed to get myself really aerobically fit from my cross-training and yeah, it was in Slovenia and I remember my brother was now a professional dancer and I didn't see him very much because he lived abroad and he travelled across from Paris to Slovenia to watch me and travelled with my mum and I just remember feeling something different on that start line. I knew everything that had gone into the training to get there. I knew it had been far from smooth and there were probably girls who had done a lot more running on a start line than me but I felt like I'd done more hours than anyone and I just hadn't had that it was almost like it was a treat to be running again um, the, the trials had gone well but I felt like I still hadn't had that free-flowing form of running that again looking back now what I had as an eight-year-old I'm not sure where I lost it in that time, but with the momentum of everything and running becoming more of a job and, and a little bit more depending on it, I think I was always having to race a bit more tactically, be a bit smarter and rarely getting to that place where I could just switch everything off and just be me and the stopwatch. The European Cross Country Championships, it was a very tactical race at the beginning. I remember being in a bunch with uh, a lot of girls and it was a lap course and I could hear my mum and my brother, I could hear my breathing and I could hear their breathing and it was just a very ordinary race to begin with. And then I remember it was probably about a K away from the finish and I just, I could feel my knee a little bit and I was still thinking and still trying to gauge how the other girls are feeling, still trying to be tactical, wait for someone else to make the move. 
And then something switched inside of me and I just remember just feeling like I wanted to escape, just escape out of the group, just have my own space, my own freedom of running, my own path. And I'm not sure, again, it wasn't, it wasn't that I was thinking about making a move, but something just released from inside of me. I think it was just that, it was a feeling, it wasn't a thought, it was just a feeling of just me being that eight-year-old again, legging it to the bridge and back, just looking for that push. And I feel like I went back to that relaxed form of shutting everything out and it was just me against myself, kind of pushing to get that burning feeling in the lungs. And I don't think I was really aware of many people on the course shouting or even of the finish line until it was right there. I just, I got that feeling back of feeling free and that pain-free running, I just felt like I was floating, like there was no impact through my bones, my knee wasn't aching. I was just hardly breathing, but just, I felt alive again. And it just made everything that had led up to it worthwhile. And crossing a line, I felt that it just, yeah, it was really emotional for me. Um, I stood on the step hearing the national anthem and people were probably wondering why I was bawling my eyes out. But it was just that personal feeling of, I'd got back something I'd been so desperately seeking and it was almost when I wasn't seeking it, it had just come back to me and at such a time in such an important race. Yeah, it was a really special moment and one I don't think I'll ever forget. So I won the race, became European champion and led uh, Great Britain to a team gold, um, which was fantastic. But for me, the real important thing and the real achievement that something that I'd been searching for and never felt like I could get back to was that I had found that inner eight-year-old running to the bridge, that wild, carefree, fearless, gutsy runner that could just push and just push for passion and enjoy that deep, dark place without a care in the world for anything around me. And to me, that was just, yeah, the, the best thing I could ask for. I think in part uh, that led to me having my love back for sport again and I then later on still struggling with my knee to bring some focus to my cross training. I entered a triathlon and yeah kind of got hooked on that and came second at the world 70.3 champs, made Kona and now I'm fully hooked on Ironman. Let's all celebrate that eight-year-old inside of us. That eight-year-old telling us to run to the bridge and back as fast as we can. Here's to Emma's resilience, fearlessness, and youthful joy she brings to the sport of triathlon. Please subscribe to Beyond for the next story of humans doing inspiring things against the odds. This is Eric Yilsonen. Triathlon literally saved my life. 
I hope it can do the same for you. Beyond is brought to you by Hoka One One and Iron Man. Thank you.